Hello and welcome to Setting Sales, Navigating AI in Higher Education. This is a podcast about rethinking teaching to create better education for everyone, with or without AI. I'm your host, Alexander Jansky, leader of the Innovation and Digital Education team at the University of Zurich. Every week, I'll ask new interviewees from our university about their thoughts on AI. AI tools make you smart. How to become a top student using AI. How AI increases your productivity at med school. These are just three of the promises you will find on YouTube when you enter AI for students. Obviously, there are some convincing strategies to use AI tools for studying, such as assigning ChatGPT the role as a tutor and ask you questions and correct your answers. However, in the everyday hustle, as a student, it might be more convenient to outsource strenuous thinking and boost productivity. How do students at the University of Zurich really use AI tools? What is their take on AI in education? And are they afraid of the changes it has on their future jobs? I'm so glad that two University of Zurich students agreed to share their thoughts with me today. Laura Galli studies art history and biology and is the co-president of the student association VHS UZH, where she is responsible for education policy. Marus Wollensack studied international law and is currently an incoming exchange student at University of Zurich and ETH. Laura Galli, Marus Wollensack, let's set some sails. Marus, how has your everyday work as a student changed since the hype of AI tools? I think that's a difficult question because what does change mean? But maybe let's break it down. Um, I think JetGPT has introduced AI to a general public. And the fact that we constantly discuss whether we use AI tools for certain applications so irrespective of what you're doing, it seems like everyone is asking, is there an artificial intelligence solution to this problem? And I think this has changed. So we have a continuous discussion about whether we should use computers or AI in general uh, in order to, I don't know, be more productive, to reach quicker solution. So I think that has changed that we have an ongoing discussion in pretty much any field. So... Laura, you are the co-president of the um, student association VS UZH. Does Maurer's approach to AI represent the ordinary student or do you encounter any other topic um, about Gen AI that are currently in the students' heads you have to deal with at your association? As Maris uh, said, yes, I would uh, say the same as an ordinary student. Um, in fact, in the association, we had also other um, questions to handle, like um, can I use AI for my exams or for seminar works and how? Um, but yeah, in general, I would say it's, it's a topic that's ongoing and more discussed uh, in lately, but it's not a topic that wasn't before um, the ChatGPT um, topic came out uh, last year. So, um, yeah. It's more, but it's not new 
exactly. But what's new is the question of the exams and how to use it. So what you do are saying is basically that there is a discussion going on within the students of how can I integrate generative AI in my studies and also a bit of this concern, is it legal? Am I allowed to do that? Um, and there is some uncertainty, maybe. Yeah, I would say so. So, okay, let's go a bit more, dive into the topic and get a bit more personal on your experience. Um, and the obvious question there is, which tools are you using for studying or writing? Or if you don't use any, why aren't you using any? Maybe Marius... Sure. So I have a legal background, which essentially means I think we have done everything the same way for the past 100 years and nothing has really changed. So I'm really more text centered. What I when I meant that or when I said that um, AI was around before, I think of, for example, DeepL, which is a translation software that was a real game changer before people use Google Translate and then all of a sudden we have a company that essentially comes up with pretty much perfect translation. So this is something, particularly in the, the field of international law, that is really useful. Other tools, are, for example, Grammarly. So, I mean, English is not my native language. It, it's comfortable or it's, it's comforting that you have tools that can actually assist you with problems, which you don't necessarily have to deal with. Um, JetGPT is not really ranked high on my list because law, I mean, I think the recent version, so the 4.0, is capable of uh, passing the bar exam, but answering domestic legal questions, it seems pretty difficult that JetGPT can answer those um, because also of the structure, the way we answer questions is really particular. But I'm also into law and data science or computational methods to law. And there, when I do programming, this is not my, my prime education, but I use, for example, the GitHub Copilot, which is generating um, programming prompts. Essentially, you can comment on specific things you want to do. For example, create a loop that I don't know, takes a text and transforms it to something. And then the, the AI will assist you in actually coding this. So I don't necessarily need the, the perfect skills in coding. I can more, if I have a general idea what I want to do, I can use an AI tool in order to get to what I want to do. So what you're saying is you use it as an assistant, as a... Yeah, as a tool to help you with certain tasks you're probably not the expert in or which is a task which are maybe just a bit annoying to do and um, easy to to give away to the AI. Are there any tasks where you say, okay, I would never give this to AI? Well, I thought about this in, before this recording and for me it is... We need to stay in the loop and we need to use our creativity, our approaches in order, for example, to design research. We can have then execution being, or rather, we can have an execution by AI that predicts certain words and this kind of stuff. But 
in the beginning, we have to pose the research questions. And I think this has much to do with using our own brains, asking the relevant questions. We can ask AI to ask multiple questions, but I think it is really important to stay in the loop and understand what you want to do with AI. And uh, yeah, that I would never give up to AI, I guess. That's uh, very good to hear. <laughs> um, Laura, are you using AI tools as well when studying? Not really. Um, I haven't uh, the time yet to um, read into and work into it. Um, to be honest, uh, at the moment I'm not studying um, that much because I have to work in the association. Um, but what I use is, of course, a deeper and other translator, um, as for example, for the preparation today. But um, yeah, not that recently. And I thought about it to use it as inspiration um, um, for speeches, but um, yeah, hadn't the time yet. And the students, so there are many students coming to you asking questions. Do you get a feeling what kind of tools they are using or what's the discussion there? Um, the frequently asked questions are um, were coming up um, since the ChatGPT um was a big topic, and um, so it's mostly the question, can I use it for um, seminar works especially, so writing isn't um, a part of work. We could use uh, AI to write some um, text parts, but um, to get to the um, question before, so where I'm not used, I, where I wouldn't use AI or ChatGPT especially, is Uh, when critical thinking is uh, asked, or um, also which question should I answer. Yeah, I see. So any generative AI tool is a very useful tool um, to help brainstorming, to help um, writing um, uh, essays. Um, and there is a big discussion about uh, in education and we hear often that it should be used responsibly and critically and I think you touched this already a bit when we were talking, we were talking about uh, where to use your own mind but what do you think does it mean to use Gen AI responsibly and critically as a student? Well that's probably a one in a million question and I probably won't be able to answer that But I think we have similar questions we ask ourselves. What is good academia, for example? So there's no perfect answer to these questions. But what it means to be responsible, I think, is always reflect upon what am I using this technology for? Do I still know what I'm actually doing with this technology? For example, in law, it's quite important to to also transport how you can reach a certain solution. So it means people want answers in between. And I think that's responsible when you not use it straight away. Oh, you might use it straight away, but when you use it and reflect upon the, the solutions or the answers you get from something like JetGPT or maybe even think beforehand and then compare what you came up with and what the AI came with up. So I think that's one way to see how you could be responsible with such technologies. Do you have an, uh, another opinion, Laura? Um, not exactly an other, but um, 
what we see in association is that it's a so so big field or there are so many different fields so we couldn't possibly um, say it for general um, what's a, b a good solution um, and as Marius actually said um, is that you have to know when or for what you're using it so yeah So would you also say that um, maybe responsibly and critically usage also depends on the topic or the context you're using Gen AI? So, for example, is it, dif is it different when you use it in law than uh, when you use it, uh, for example, in um, biology studies? Yeah, I would guess so, but I have no uh, um, um, knowledge about the law field, so honestly I don't know, but um, I could imagine, because um, another um, story or the difference I saw um, just last week is um, between the informatics students, um, which use um, AI mostly for calculator um, stuff, and we use it for text. So it's a total different field, total different AI um, tool and using, and of course, we cannot say, um, yeah, how to use it mindfully in this or in this direction. Um, Maris, so let's be honest a bit. Is there, or like, how often do you catch yourself using Gen AI just because you're a bit too lazy to think for yourself? I'm not going to say it didn't happen before, <laughs> I'm being honest. Um, but I try not to just go straight to JetGPT, for example. Or if I'm, if I'm coding and I'm trying to learn a new skill, I try to turn off AI tools in order to really understand what, what I'm doing. Because what I've realized is that if you use AI tools, you might get a good solution, but I think there's something lost on the way. And it seems, for example, if I'm coding, sometimes I don't even know what libraries I'm using anymore because AI told me to use a certain library and therefore it worked in the end and I can understand what it's doing, but we're not diving deep anymore or certainly for me. So... I think I've catched myself doing that before, particularly as a student, we have deadlines. Uh, there's a lot of pressure, different fields you might like or dislike. I mean, there's certain tasks you really enjoy, others you don't. So yeah, it has happened before, but I try not to do it straight away. But I, what I said before, I think it's good to come up with a solution and see whether an AI, for example, matches your solution or does it in a different manner, which you can learn from then and understand, okay, maybe I did a bit too complicated, but if I break it down as, for example, JetGPD did, then I can reach a, a certain solution in a more meaningful way. Yeah. So, um, Laura, something you said, Marus, um, like this high ex expectations and stress. So, It does seduce, of course, students for cheating. And within your association, Laura, did you um, do you have the feeling that we are running into a productivity crisis? So experts estimate that ChatGPT could increase the efficiency of producing texts, for example, by 50%. percent. That would mean that we would probably, in the future, expect even more from from our students 
Do you feel that this is an issue? Um, to be honest, I hope not. It's a productivity crisis we are um, going there, but um, I see an insecurity there and among the students. So how have I to adapt to AI, um, especially ChatGPT, um, for example? Um, have I do this to get through my exams um, and so on? So there's an insecurity there, and we hope we could help um, in working together with the UCIT age, um, for example, with the guideline. Um, um, they gave out uh, one for every student, um, so just to make clear, it is allowed in general, so we want to use it in um, seminar works or in um, field research at academic fields, but um, it should be clear uh, or also t um, be, be teaching by the teachers how to use it and when. And yeah, there's important um, that there's a um, clear communication of that. So is it allowed and how? So, yeah, that's for sure one thing that the teaching community or the um, politics at UCED age should define what is allowed and what is not allowed. But something you also said was um, some kind of a... a group pressure maybe even so what what you said like do I need to use it um, in order to be able to compete with the other students who are using it so is this something you feel in your uh, students community yes actually something I could uh, ask myself um, to be honest because yeah um, in the field of um, arts history example there are many texts we have to write and Of course, I'm a bit insecure, so if I write text with less um, productivity or effectivity, but um, I think it's not, it shouldn't be a problem if the teachers know, hey, um, it's also um, possible without um, AI, and it has to be clear if you have to use it because it's um, so high in productivity or in effectivity and you have to use it actually then it should be told so and then you can yeah adapt to um, I hope we can go in that direction but yeah I feel the insecurity um, amongst the students of, of course obviously there are also like studies which show that it's not only um, increasing the efficiency but also the quality of the text um, is increasing so and teachers or people cannot distinguish between this is written by an AI tool or this is written by the student, especially now where you can really custom make your own GPT and say like, this is how I write. This is my style of writing. So, um, Maurus, would you say that there is a, a sense of group pressure? Do, we, do, do students have the feeling we need to use it in order to be Yeah, ahead of, of the class? I think that, yeah, it, it definitely has this tendency to produce group pressure, no doubts. But I think we can also use this. For example, law is not really known that people work together. And if we exchange how we use certain tools, that might be an opportunity where the community gets closer together and actually use the technology together. And I just thought about when you when you talked about the writing style and this this ChatGPT being pretty much your own voice. 
we, I think we also use AI tools to summarize text. So in the end, we will have AI-produced text, which is read by AI. And I wonder where that leads us. So the quality might be better, but then nobody is caring about the quality because nobody's reading the quality. I don't know where that leads us. So I think for me, although it might be difficult at times, I think still the right way is to write your own texts. Of course, you can use technology in order to, for example, correct res uh, spelling mistakes, rephrase sentences, this kind of stuff. But I think in the end, this is authorship, right? You're authoring something because otherwise it's JetGPT writing your text. And then I don't know whether this is still the world we want to live in. Maybe, maybe not. That's an amazing um, uh, thought you just put out there, like, yeah, kind of living in this bubble and then having ChatGPT or any other Gen AI tool creating and summarizing things. And then in the end, uh, there is, so that's also an important aspect when we talk about research. So if we don't give Gen AI something new, it will just create on basis of the data it has. So that's uh, a very good um Yeah, very good thought you you had there. So maybe take a look into the future. So we were talking a lot about the effect on studying, but of course you're all studying to do a third job afterwards. And um, a study from McKinsey estimates that 80% of the jobs will be disrupted by AI in the next five years. So especially for um, legal AI, Uh, could support researchers or help with administration. So what are your thoughts going through your mind when you think about that it's possible that the job you are drained in will probably look very different when you have graduated? Yeah, I think I have mixed feelings about that because at the one point it's kind of scary of what our job will look like. But on the other hand, we also have a lot of opportunities. So any job, I think, has the potential to transform to something which is more meaningful. Like AI does, uh, generative AI does a lot of repetitive work. And I wonder whether we was still want people to, I don't know, code millions of lines for a program or write millions of articles in their lifetime. Maybe we can spend this in a more constructive way. But obviously, it's, it's difficult. It's the question, what do I actually need to learn? What kind of skills do I need to obtain? Is it enough still to just be good at interpreting the law, for example, for me? Or do I know, need to know how to use AI to interpret for me. So I think it's difficult to really say what the future will bring, but I think it's, it's also a huge opportunity for any field which will be affected, which will basically all of the fields. Uh, Laura, do you want to add something on that thought? Maybe it's also different from your point of view. Mm -hmm. um, I have mixed feelings as well. Because uh, yeah, it's scary and it's changing somehow really fast. But um, in my field um, of arts history, it's already changing um, with the digitalization of the museums and also of the research field. Um, so it's like more an 
ongoing process that's already here. And for the theological field, or how do you say that in English, um, isn't that much um, changing as well. But of course, the uh, text writing part, um, as said before, for the seminar works. But um, in theology, I'm working um, already with kids and um, adolescents, and it's a very social part, so I don't think it's going to be affecting much. But yeah, it's also mixed. So I'm really optimistic that it could be um, cool to take off our basic works, administration, and so on. So we could focus more on the content, actually. So as for example, in arts history, if, if you can focus on content and what you want to show and the how it you, t- you want to show is from AI or whatever. So what you're saying is that there are like certain skills that will never be touched by Gen AI or cannot be taken over by Gen AI, while others do not need necessarily be included in the studies anymore because they will become obsolete? Laura? Um, I don't think it's not never going to touch um, um, some certain skills, but uh, I think there are certain skills we have to learn anyway. So, for example, giving, giving a speech or um, the social skills. But um, I could imagine there are some skills that are falling away because the basic work is another, and we have other, um, how do you say that? Um, priorities, maybe? Priorities, and also other steps to reach that. But, um, yeah, I think there are certain that are uh, skills that are touched less from uh, AI. Maurice, would you say there are now skills you really need to learn at universities, which were probably a few years ago not necessary? Mm, I don't know, because I think universities should teach you to be open-minded. And I think that applies to pretty much any change in any field. Um, Of course, we then have hands-down technologies we need to use, I mean, research platforms, that kind of stuff. And that's maybe down-to-earth skills. But I think what we've seen over the centuries is that any transformation can only happen if people embrace that technology. So I think it is quite important people stay open-minded and don't think, okay, JetGPT, sure, it can write better texts or whatever, but I don't like it, so I'm not going to use it. I think we got to f- ask ourselves, where do we want this? Because I think it's not, it's, it's possible to replace pretty much, I'm not saying anything, but a lot. And then I think it's it's up to us humans to decide where do we want this and where don't we want this. So, and what's the universities or like the university, um, where is it in this discussion? So you were saying like we we need to decide what is important for humans to stay with humans. So where do you see the university in this equation? I think the university is supposed to be a place where we can discuss these kind of topics, a facilitator for discussions, so we can actually come up with the right answers to these questions. I think it's going to still take a lot of time to set on maybe should we use JetGPT in exams, uh, I don't know, other technologies in general, should we teach JetGPT or other language models, AI in general. 
But I think the university's job is to to embrace the technology, to teach people how to use it in a meaningful way, and therefore just facilitate facilitate this entire space where people feel safe to try out the technology and don't shy away because they're afraid of, for example, having a plagiarism or that kind of stuff. Because I think, matter of fact, the university is its own cosmos, but the world out there is going to use AI irrespective of whether the university decides to allow it or not. So people will be faced with these kind of questions once they enter the job market. And I think the university should therefore especially address these questions and see where we can go with this. Uh, Laura, so thank you very much, Marius. Laura, um, how I, I think what Marius said is very true. How do, does the university education has to adapt to prepare the students? Um, yeah, um, I think Marius, what Marius said is really right. Um, it has to be um, some way to teach the students um, how to use AI and um, when, because there isn't world out there, it's using it in any way, and um, you have to adapt somehow. Um, I think the university is already on a good uh, way to um, reach that or to embrace the um, AI tools um, as in workshops or um, lectures about AI and ChatGPT and they're giving um, space and platforms to also discuss it um, also very critically um, in somehow in some ways um, I think it shouldn't be that it, it shouldn't be that slow somehow I don't, I, I don't it's difficult to say <laughs> Sorry for one. Um, Maybe you feel that we are like on a very fast. So this the development of technology is very fast paced, and university is probably a bit lacking behind. And no, not really. But somehow, yes. <laughs> it's like really hard to describe. I, I have I have the feeling that the university is in a good way and in a good point at that. But um, my security or my fear is that it's going faster at some point and the university has to adapt to that too. And it's hard to say for the university at channel again because um, I have the feeling it's also more depending on how the teachers will use IA in the teachings and how to teach that to the students because, yeah, somehow it's, we have to use it on our work itself, not just to yeah make it easier, I think. So since we are at the Setting Sales podcast, we can also make a wish and maybe this wish comes true. Um, so what advice would you give the usage teaching community before it is embarking this journey in discovering the unknown territory in teaching with AI? Maybe Maros first. Well, who am I to tell teachers what to think or to do? But I, I think the exercise would be to put yourself in the shoes of a student. It's pretty basic. What would you do as a student? How would you navigate such tools? Is this what you want, what we don't want? And I think that's, that's what I want teachers to understand. We have these options, and just because they're out there, we have to make a choice. And if nobody's assisting us with this choice, then we might end up with the wrong choice or not the best choice. 
But in practical terms, I would say it's it's more as just been said. Embrace it doing doing the lectures. Uh, show how you would use ChatGPT if you're using ChatGPT or any other AI tools in your everyday work. How is it meaningful? Maybe how is it disruptive? Uh, I think that's what I would wish for. That everyone is just open-minded and thinks how we can use these tools or not. Laura, do you want to add something, or do you have a different wish? As Maurus um, uh, already said, um, I can emphasize that and um, emphasize especially the point with oh, keep an open mind. So it's going forward and step by step and using this and we are all learning, teachers as our students. That's wonderful last words. We are all learning and as Anishera already said in the first podcast, we are all in this together. Laura Galli, Marius Wollensack, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts here at the Setting Sales Podcast. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode of Setting Sales, I would appreciate it if you subscribed. Please share your feedback, questions and topics that interest you by sending an email to teachingtools at education.uzh.ch. You can find all the information in the show notes. Check it out. Mm-hmm.